Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim, and I am the senior pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And my name is Marshall, and I'm the associate pastor at MBC. How's it going, Tim? Doing pretty well. You know, that was that was a first try, and we nailed it. <sighs> I, know, I mean, good. even if I have to, there's only two of us, so maybe I do have to be the one to say it. <laughs> nailed that. Great. So normally we just tag the introduction on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. First time we've tried playing it where we can hear it. Yeah. And then just jumping in. That was fun. Great success. I like that intro. That It's good. It's good. Those are my kids, by the way. <laughs> I don't think if, I don't think we've mentioned that before. Standing at the dining room table, <laughs> doing about 50 takes with dad sitting there <laughs> last December saying, all right, we're going to try it again. <laughs> on the count of three, everyone together. That's my kid's favorite part of the podcast. In the rare occasion that the podcast plays in our home, <laughs> they listen to the intro, then go back to what they were doing. There you go. Yeah. So today, we're going to get into some stuff. We're going to get into uh, two whole books of the Bible, and we're going to finish up another. So we got Habakkuk, the end of Jeremiah. And Lamentations, everyone's favorite book of the Bible. I think we should read it more. I think that I think the modern day Christians should spend more time in Lamentations. Mm. We'll, we'll talk about that when we come to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, so let's let's talk about the forest, mm-hmm. uh, because this is a hard thing to read. I, I, I talked with someone just yesterday who said uh, that they've they've tried many times in their lives to read through the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and they they didn't they didn't cite the podcast is the thing that was carrying them through. Interestingly enough, they cited COVID. Okay. And said, you know, if there needs to be an opportunity to say, praise God for quarantine, mm-hmm. an extended systematic quarantine, it has made for me the time that I wasn't making for myself to read through scripture. Wow. Praise God for that. And I thought, hey, if that's what it takes. Silver lining of COVID number 187. <laughs> Keep looking for those silver linings, people. They they are there. They are they there. are there. Uh, and so so I I hope that that's true. I hope that people are still doing that. Um, I hope that they're finding the time because of our current situation. I also hope that this is encouraging them because this is a tough section to read through. It is when we were when we were in the law and and we were talking about how everyone everyone says, oh, I tried to read through the Bible in a year once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't make it. A, a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, you got into Leviticus and mm. and that's where it got hard and you, you quit. And I, I was even saying then, no, 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 no. Like Leviticus isn't the easiest book to read. Mm. But when you're in the prophets for over a month oh yeah, and it's destruction after destruction with just this glimmer of hope, boy, this is, this is slogging at times. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's intentionally there. I think so. Yeah. It makes up such a significant portion of the scriptures, the Old Testament in particular, that we we ought to pay attention to it. Um, it ought to be a primary aspect of God's revelation. When we think of what he has for us, he wants us to know this. Right. He wants us to wrestle with this. He wants us to spend time here. And so the forest in this, the wages of sin is death. 
Yeah. We didn't write that one ourselves. No. We borrowed that from Paul. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Shout out to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so what we are going to see here is is a continuation mm-hmm. of the the prophesying of the end of uh the Israelite nation. Mm-hmm. Uh their their slaughter and in uh, movement into exile, we're actually going to see more than just the prophecy. We're going to see the actual movement yeah. of it. Um, yeah, it's not just the end is near; it's the right. end is the end is here. Right, right. we're going to get there. Yeah, uh, but it's it's not an easy thing to read. But I think it's important for us to remember that death and just consequence for sin mm. is inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. an it's an impending thing. Yeah. Um, sometimes we as the church, under grace and mercy, forget that the default is punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not the case. And so uh, the, end of the, the end of the Old Testament, very much like the end of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. That's true. Just punishment for sin, hope for the, those who are following the plan of God. Mm-hmm. And placing their faith in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a similar pattern for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about Habakkuk. How does this pattern show up in Habakkuk? Yeah, so we see, you know, we see God raising up the Chaldeans, and then God himself is personified and coming out for battle. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me is... Hold on, say that again. God coming out for battle. Against? Against his own people. Yeah, against his own. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, against his own people, mm-hmm. right? And here's here, there's some interesting things like as God is arming himself and preparing himself to come against Jerusalem, right? There, it says certain things about him. It says that pestilence is before him and plague is at his heels. Like God is bringing these things. Right. A lot. A lot of times we we chalk up a lot of suffering that that happens to oh it, you know it's satan doing doing this or or whatever right but like sometimes it, it's it's god bringing about this destruction it's god using pestilence and plague as you know tools in his toolbox yeah to and, and i think that's an, a really important theological statement mm-hmm. um because one of the one of the things that i think has to be uh noted and it's a it's a difference between our view of of the the doctrine of mankind what we believe to be true about mankind and and what we believe to be true about sin in general that is in stark contrast to uh many of our charismatic brothers uh so a lot of times when people look at the difference between uh an evangelical uh on any breadth of a reform spectrum and and a charismatic and say Oh, the difference is really about cessationism and speaking in tongues. Yeah. No, th- that's not true. There's a there are other things, and and that's just one of the more visible things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that our charismatic brothers and sisters would really press on that that I would call out and say, no, this is systematically a problem, is this idea that what is wrong is coming from the outside. Mm. Right. We are. We are plagued by Satan and his demons that are causing these problems. And what we need to do is we need to pray 
that God would, or by our own apostolic authority, if, if they are charismatic to that degree, to pray these things away. Mm-hmm. Because if they were gone, if the hurdles were gone, then I could do this. But the reason I struggle is because something has come up against me. Yeah. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible has been teaching us so far as we've been reading through this progress of revelation and will become expressly clear in the teachings of Jesus and the Pauline epistles. No, the problem is within you. Oh, yeah. And the problem has always been within you. Mm-hmm. The role of Satan is not to be the problem. The role of Satan is to be the accuser, mm-hmm. which is what his name means, mm-hmm. to accuse us before God. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that he and his demons are going to do is to tempt us, mm-hmm. to dangle things in front of us that cause the flesh within us to rise up. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to try to expose the chinks in our armor, right? Our weakness and cap, try to capitalize on the things that, that we struggle with. But our, our worst enemy is in him. It's ourselves. Right. It's the sin that is within us. And so there is no, the devil made me do it. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Uh, it's me that made me do it. Yeah. And that is why we need a savior, mm-hmm. right? That is why we are, as John three seventeen will tell us, that is why we are already condemned, mm. but we have been rescued by Christ. That the wages of our sin is death, and that death is inevitable, mm-hmm. but it, the price has already been paid. Not that the price is going to be, uh, done away with, but mm-hmm. that Christ has already paid that debt. Yeah. And so when we look at it with a theology that says every bad thing that comes against me is the work of Satan, mm-hmm. we miss the point entirely. Yeah. Because here we could look at this and we would say, oh, there is a bad thing coming against the people of God. Mm. That must be led by Satan. Nope. Yep. You would be wrong. <laughs> that is God himself yeah. at the front of that army. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to come up again in Lamentations. Yeah, it is. The, the one redeeming thing that that uh, about Habakkuk that I that I really appreciate though is as he's describing all of these terrible things that are happening and he understands Habakkuk understands that these are the the, the just consequences for what they've done um, and the circumstances are so bleak and yet he clings to his faith nonetheless the last few verses of Habakkuk three though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vine the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet i will rejoice in the lord i will Mm -hmm. take joy in the god of my salvation god the lord is my strength he makes my feet like the deers and he makes me tread on my high places yeah so even in the midst of difficulty and suffering we ought to cling to the lord who is the salvation. He's the bringer of judgment, but he's also the bringer of salvation. Right. It, it doesn't matter to me, is what Habakkuk is saying. Mm-hmm. What happens? What becomes of me? Mm-hmm. God is God, mm-hmm. and he deserves my worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. This is not about him. This is not about me affirming what he is doing in my circumstances. <laughs> this is about me acknowledging who he is yeah yeah exactly awesome yeah and then we get into jeremiah so back into jeremiah back into jeremiah we got about 10 11 chapters or so you want to summarize those 11 chapters for us 
<laughs> well, there, here, here's a summary of this this conversation between between Jeremiah and uh, and the Israelites or, or the the people of Judea. They come to Jeremiah and they ask, "Hey, Jeremiah, what should we do?" They send him to the Lord. Yeah, there's a go to the Lord yeah. and get a word for us. Yeah, whatever he tells you, we're gonna do it. We want to hear him. Yeah. So he comes. So he comes back, and he says, "All right, God says, stay where you are. You're a liar. Don't go to Egypt." And they're like. Nah, we're going to Egypt. <laughs> Flat out tell him, <laughs> yeah. you're a liar. Yeah, no, that's not true. There's no way God would have said that. Yeah. Nope, no, we're going to Egypt. And then and Jeremiah's like, okay, you do understand that if you go there, you were all going to die there. And they're like, well, we'll see about that. And and by the way, we're taking you with us. By the way. <laughs> by the way. I, I wonder if they feel like maybe maybe he's some sort of ransom. Yeah, like, like, like hedging their bets. They're like, well, we don't think that's going to happen, but just in case, we'll take you. <laughs> like the, the terrorist that grabs the, you know, the hostage. Yeah, and he's the, the human shield. Again. Right. <laughs> As if God could not be more precise than that. Yeah, exactly. Or what they don't understand about God that I think Habakkuk is clearly telling us in that passage you just read, mm-hmm. that God would say, I will just take Jeremiah too. Yeah. And bring him home to me. Yeah. Right. I, I, I don't have to let Jeremiah live. No. And Jeremiah's probably ready to go at this point. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> He's done. 100%. <laughs> He's done. Poor guy. <laughs> He's like, Lord, take me now. I feel like that. that's just like if there's, yeah, one thing to, to kind of describe Jeremiah's emotional state at this point, it's got to be it. Just, Lord, take me now. <laughs> and the people, they double down on their idolatry. They do double down. Yeah. 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 When he He tells them, he's like... He's like, hey, listen, this is all because of your idolatry and the worship of foreign gods, and that's why this stuff's going to come about. And instead of repenting, they say, you know what? I think life was better when we were worshiping foreign gods on a regular basis, and I'm pretty sure that what I want to do now is uh, spend more time worshiping foreign gods. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should bake extra cakes Yeah. for the mother of the heavens. Yeah. The sun, whatever. I don't remember. Queen, queen of the heavens. Queen of the heavens. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I mean, I'm a fan of cake, but I'm pretty sure those cakes are. Yeah, and not, s- not birthday cake. And so, so rather than rather than repenting, they double down on their worship of foreign gods. Yeah. Uh, rather than remaining in Israel, hmm. um, and receiving the punishment for their sin, as God has been telling them for some time. Oh yeah. Don't fight against this. Receive the punishment, and I will preserve you. Anyone who fights back or flees to Egypt will be put to death. Yeah. Jeremiah brings that reminder to the people who sent him to God. Mm-hmm. They say, nah, that can't be right. Yeah. And they go for it. Yeah. We're going to throw our lot in with those guys. Yeah. But what they fail to re- realize is that God isn't just coming to destroy Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He's getting everybody. Like he's raised up the Chaldeans to wipe the slate clean. Of right. the entire ancient Near East. And th- then there's like eight chapters of like, who's all getting it? Everybody's yeah. getting it. Egypt everybody. Is, Egypt, Philistines, everybody. You're getting it. You're getting it. You're really getting it. <laughs> but who's also getting it? Babylon. Yeah. Wait, what? I know. The the people who have been exercising this judgment are going to receive it. And we, we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's essentially the rest of Jeremiah. And that brings us into Lamentations. Mm-hmm. We don't know who wrote Lamentations. We don't. I'm going to make an argument for Jeremiah. A lot of people do. 
Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you. There's there's a story inside of this poem. It's actually a series of poems. It Each is. chapter of Jeremiah stands alone mm-hmm. as a poem. And they're acrostics. Which which it kind of surprised me that canonically it's not with the poems. Yeah, normally in the Psalms they, they do that. But yeah, essentially, I think the first four are all acrostics. Mm-hmm. So there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, hence 22 verses in 1, 2, and 4. Chapter 3's got 66 verses because each letter gets three lines. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bible Project, for teaching me that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're reading through the Bible with us, or even if you're not, if you're just listening through, those Bible Project videos that are a recap of each book of the Bible, excellent. you should go back and watch them before, during, or after all the books of the Bible you read. Excellent. They do a, they do a better job than we do of showing you the forest and trees. Yeah, and plus there's there's pictures. Right. That helps visual learners. Yeah. Grab some popcorn. Yeah, it's good. Good Bible stuff. project. Yeah. yeah, you can find them on YouTube or right now media. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So Lamentations. Lamentations is uh five poems of lament. Mm-hmm. Um and I said earlier in the podcast that I think we should spend more time in Lamentations and, and here's the reason why. It is a good thing that the church celebrates the grace and mercy that we are under because of the price that was paid on our behalf at the cross. Amen. But we don't spend enough time recognizing our need to have that price paid. Mm. We don't spend enough time recognizing uh, that that without that, we would be receiving these punishments Mm. and lamenting that God himself would have to bear that price on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Now, now this isn't to go entirely Franciscan on you to the point that you have to be like, Oh, well I need to be constantly in a state of mourning. Mm. And even if I'm having a good day that I should Mm -hmm. be upset about because I don't deserve a good day. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm not talking about being a sad people of drudgery who only walk around saying, uh, woe is me, unclean, I'm undeserving, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is there needs to be a healthy dose of that in order for us to truly understand grace and mercy. Yeah, like, it, one of the things that we were talking about before we started was, you know, I was just kind of saying, like, it, it's okay to cry. Like, human suffering is terrible. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think we've, you know, we've inherited a bit of this, you know, Protestant work ethic, stiff upper lip, like, just keep you know keep going just whatever happens just keep keep going right and perseverance is a good thing it is something that we are called to but there are times where we ought to mourn yeah right like like when bad things happen we don't we don't always just have to jump right to oh well it's all going to be good in the end right and and sometimes especially when we're coming alongside other people like that's unhelpful right you want to walk with people you want to mourn with those who are mourning yeah, and, and I would say it's important for us to realize that the the two are not mutually exclusive. Right. Perseverance and carrying on doesn't mean that you don't do that with a heavy heart. Yeah. That you don't see the pain around you. And the the flip side to the, to that, I think, uh, which is also a problem, is um, we we just look at all suffering as deserved. Mm. Right. Oh well, they must have done something to deserve that. Mm. Right. And. And in that, we forget how how much we deserved. Mm. And and but for the grace of God, 
my entire life would just fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it's his sustaining power that bears me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think I think those are tough things to think about and tough things to talk about, um, to sing about. But I think we should because I think it's sobering. I think it's a reminder. I think I think that grace and mercy without lament mm. in our worship breeds entitlement. Yeah. And not only does it breed entitlement, but when there is suffering in the world, when when there's a massive explosion in Beirut, mm. when when there is uh, a a pandemic that sweeps across the globe, mm. we look to that and we say where is god yeah because because we are so detached from the concept that the default state mm. in a broken world where we have introduced and perpetuated sin is that these things would happen yeah and it is it is not that the default state is the mercy and the grace and the kindness of god mm. that is what is being brought in and what will be when the new heavens and the new, when the coming of the new heavens and the new earth, when all is made new mm-hmm. and all is redeemed, yeah, that is our future hope. Mm-hmm. It's not our current reality. Yeah, and I think lamentations is grounding in that way for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think like there, like this isn't the only lament that we find in scripture, right? There are passages that we read in Isaiah. There are psalms that are laments as well. I mean, like Christ hanging on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is like. This like this is a real thing. I think for so many believers, like we have to we have to work through this. We can't just suppress these feelings of despair and despondency like when we're when we're going through difficult times. Right? A lot of times we're just we we I know for myself anyways, like I try to just kind of suppress those feelings and not address them. But I think vocalizing them because that's what's happening here. People are like whoever wrote Lamentations, whether it's Jeremiah or someone else. I mean, they're vocalizing just how they're feeling, how terrible this is. And they understand that this is the, this is, you know, righteous judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the, you know, the, the question is asked like, God, how, how long is this going to go on for? Like, are you still there? And right. that, and like, and I think it's, it's okay to ask those questions. We don't want to live there. Right. We don't want to yep. stay there, but we don't have to pretend like that's not, that shouldn't be a part of, of our Christian walk. Yeah. Right. And 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 people do feel that they're not allowed to say those things, mm. that they're not allowed to lament. Yeah. Um sometimes even it's worked into uh theology, word faith theology, mm-hmm. right? Where where people are told in their lament, no you can't say that because your words have power. And if you say those things, you are being faithless and you are causing them to happen, mm-hmm. which is it's just utter nonsense. It, it stomps us from being the people of God. It makes us sort of like, it's, it's less Bible and more Harry Potter than it is anything else, right? <laughs> we are not these sort of like enchanters or sorcerers that have capacity to create with our words. That is, that is never given to us in Scripture. Yeah. Um, and, and also, it just doesn't play out. Uh, in the history of the world, it's not confirmable. We don't mm-hmm. see it in the general revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they would argue, it is permitted yeah. in the uh, special revelation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what happens in that moment is that someone who is truly lamenting, someone who is truly hurting, uh, then is is confronted with the guilt of their lament and their hurt, mm-hmm. because that has been told to them is a faithless act. Mm-hmm. It's faithless to struggle, yeah. 
to have doubts, to have questions, and, and to lament. And so now they have the, the struggle that, they, that originally brought them into this place mm-hmm. compounded by the guilt that they're struggling. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's just a, a tragic thing. And I think, I think the presence of lamentations, let alone the teachings of lamentations, mm-hmm. show us that that's not true. Yeah. God understands that we struggle. Mm-hmm. And he knew that before he decided to create this universe, mm-hmm. to create mankind to bear his image, mm-hmm. and to bring us individually in our personalities in these circumstances yeah. into this place. Yeah. This is for his glory. Yeah, one, one of the areas where I've seen this, this issue really um, become prominent in recent years, and I don't know if everyone will agree with me on this, but the pressure to make every funeral a celebration of life. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, there, there's like this, this pressure that like everyone feels like they're not allowed to actually mourn the death. It has right. to be just, let's remember all the good times. Let's talk about all the good things they did and all the good feelings we have. And, and I think that, that that's healthy and that's beautiful and that's wonderful. But like this pressure, I think that our, in our society in particular, that like we can't have a, f- an, a funeral. Right. Right. We can't, we can't cry. Mm-hmm. We can't be upset. We can't ask those hard questions of God and, and why is why have these things happened or why you know why is death this thing that we just weighs so heavy on us? And I, I feel like that actually is, is problematic and I feel like it prevents people from actually going through a grieving process that is healthy. And you know, and maybe we're maybe we're shifting out of out of biblical theology and into maybe pastoral care, counseling, this that kind of thing. But like uh, it's just something that it concerns me. I, I, I see I see a lot of it and and it concerns me that we we don't even know how to lament. Right. And and we don't like you said, we call them celebrations of life, we call them memorial services, all of those different yeah. things. The yeah. language has completely changed. Mm-hmm. Uh even what we call the person who has died. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't call them as the the those who've died or the deceased or the mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. Um instead, you know, we talk about like those who are moving on. Mm-hmm. Um and and just there's a whole language shift that's taken gone around this, and I think I think one of the problems with that is, is I think that we fail to see that death is an enemy. Mm-hmm. Death is our final enemy until it is cast into the lake of fire, mm. and there is something inside of us that needs to fear and hate death yeah. as that ultimate enemy. Mm-hmm in recognizing our need for Christ to rescue us from that. Mm-hmm. I start every funeral by saying today is a bittersweet day mm-hmm. when I know that it's a believer, Right. that today is a bittersweet day. And then I remind people it's, it's sweet for them, bitter for us, yeah. right? This is, this is a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're happy to see that they're no longer in their suffering, mm-hmm. but Death itself is a reminder that something horrible has happened in our world mm-hmm. that has been going on forever mm-hmm. and will continue until Christ returns. And that is not for us to just say, oh, let's acknowledge the bad for the sake of acknowledging the bad. That is to acknowledge the bad in order to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, bring mm-hmm. an end to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Death, particularly human death, is, is a violation of what God intended initially in his creation, mm-hmm. right? It is the, it is the supreme evidence of the corruption of what, of the divine order that he was, that he made. 
Yeah. And so it should be, it should infuriate us and it should break us. Yeah. So let's dive into Lamentations. Uh, the first, the first poem of Lamentations, chapter one, mm-hmm. personifies uh, Israel yep. as a she. Um, verse two, bitterly she weeps at night. Mm. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All of her friends have betrayed her, and they have become her enemies. Mm. The, the note that I wrote out to the side of this is, so too is addiction and sin, mm. right? Um, that in the moment it felt right, so, so much around me, propping me up, making me feel good, but in the end it leaves you empty and alone. Mm. Um, it's not there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and oh, and then I'll say too, as per our conversation earlier, uh, one five, the Lord has brought her grief, mm-hmm. not allowed, mm-hmm. but brought. Yeah. Yeah, the ESV says the Lord has afflicted her mm-hmm. for the multitude of her transgressions. Verse nine. She did not consider her future, and her fall was astounding, hmm. according to the NIV. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, I mean, this is just so common, too, right? I mean, as we, I mean, obviously, this is an entire culture personified. Um, but, I mean, for us, even in our individual sin, right, it, it, it all comes back to this, this obsession with the here and now. Mm-hmm. Right, what I want to have, what I want to see, what I want to feel, right now. Yeah, and then you already compared uh, this to the Psalms just in its structure, uh, but I think there's something of the Psalms inside of uh, inside of the tone and the the content as well. Uh, verse twenty says, "Outside, the sword bereaves; inside, there is only death." And I thought, what a contrast this is to Psalm 139, where David, who is just doing the will of God, says, where could I go from your presence? Mm-hmm. There is no place that I could go that you would not be there. Mm-hmm. And that's so comforting to me. Mm-hmm. That's the voice of a believer. Mm. The voice of those who would not put their faith in God say the exact opposite. Mm. Outside, the sword. Inside, only death. Mm. Where can I go? Mm. I thought that was yeah. that was startling. Uh, but then in, in 22, as it's concluding, there is a, a bit of an aha moment. The, the author of this poem calls for justice, righteous justice. And it says, let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. So he recognizes, he the, the personified woman of Israel, the author here, mm-hmm. recognizes all of this has been brought on to me because of my sin. Mm-hmm. This absolute aha moment. No more do we have the question why. 
Why is this happening? What are you doing, God? But we say, no, no, I, I know why this is going on and talks about it in such a way that it is right and just and says this too needs to happen to the wicked mm-hmm. for their sin. So God, bring your justice, yeah. your right justice. Hmm. Yeah, and then, I mean, we get into the, the next chapter. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Um, and again, this is just, I mean, just a description of the devastation that mm-hmm. is happening in Jerusalem. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, you know, we <laughs> we have, there's no contemporary um, equivalent in our experience for us to try and describe what's going on here like yeah. this just doesn't happen to us like thank thank the lord this mm-hmm. doesn't happen to us um or hasn't for some time or hasn't for some time yeah. that the city would be surrounded and starved and broken into and burned and you know what i mean like this is just yeah descriptive and and disheartening um the children crying to their mothers where's where's the food right yeah, it's gut wrenching, mm-hmm. and and Josephus describes the fall of the second temple, seventy A.D., mm-hmm. um, in a painstaking way. But this this too is the same kind of a thing, mm-hmm. right? the The one thing that really, or one of the things that really grabbed me from chapter two, looking back to Jeremiah, when Babylon comes in, there's a long account of all of the things that were taken. Yeah. Right. They essentially they they don't destroy the temple. They just dismantle it. Yeah. They just take all all everything of value. They're like this post is a good post. Yeah. These are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. We're going to carefully dismantle this and build a different building with it, mm-hmm. which caused me to ask the question. Well, let's consider the tabernacle and the temple and how it was built and the way it was why it was built the way that it was built. Because there is an outer court, then there is the court of the Israelites, mm. and then there is the inner sanctum, mm-hmm. the Holy of Holies. Who was allowed in there? Only the high priest. Yeah. Only on a certain day. Only if his heart was pure and proper sacrifices were made. Mm-hmm. How did Babylon get in there without dying? The answer to that, Lamentations 2, 7. How could a soldier, a pagan, a soldier from a pagan land, walk right into the Holy of Holies and take the implements that were there, dismantle that place that was the very presence of God to a fatal degree? Yeah. And the answer is, the Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. The reason people died in the Holy of Holies is because the presence of God. Mm-hmm. The reason they were allowed to dismantle it. He wasn't there anymore. No presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, chapter three. Um, this, the man. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, sorry. One, one more thing I just wanted to say. Yeah. 14. The visions of your prophet were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. 
Remember when Jeremiah would said, "How dare you? Uh, how dare you bandage lightly the wounds of my people, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace?" Mm-hmm. This is this is another reason why I think this is probably Jeremiah because he comes back to that concept. Mm-hmm. People don't like it when pastors talk about sin. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, can't you find other? Even some pastors don't like it when pastors talk about <laughs> sin. And they're, they're like, well, can't you just find something else to talk about, something more uplifting? To talk? This is, there's a duty to talk about this. And, and we saw in Jeremiah that they didn't, and that was a problem. And here in 14, he says they were false and worthless because they didn't talk about sin. Yeah. The prophecies they gave you were false and misleading. So in the lament, why are these things happening? Didn't you have prophets and priests around you? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. But they weren't bringing the word of God. Yeah, they were bringing what you wanted to hear, and and I this links directly to Second Timothy three. Oh yeah, right. And they will go on deceiving and being deceived. Yeah, and there are people like I've you know I've heard comments from people, you know, saying why why don't like why do we talk about these heavy subjects so often, right? Like why do we dwell on the gravity of sin and, and God's judgment and our depravity and all these things. Why can't we talk about something more uplifting, right? Like, like you yeah. said, because, because there will be judgment on you and I for avoiding those subjects, right? Right. Because we have been called by a higher authority than popular opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, sorry to those who, who don't want us talking about sin, but we, we are compelled by the right. word of God. It is not so. the only thing that we need to talk about. No. But it, it has to be on the plate. Yeah, yeah there, are, there are some who go to the far end of the spectrum. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, we, need, we, need our, we, need, uh, mm-hmm. we need our discussions about that. So you were bringing us into chapter three. Yeah, chapter, chapter three. So this is kind of, the, again, this kind of individual um, talking about the, yeah, the, um, the personal affliction the personal feelings of what it means to to go through this right and, and just the the way it just tears at them right talking about god he said he's a bear lying in wait for me a lion hiding mm-hmm. he turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces yeah he's made me desolate like whew. there's a lot in chapter three about just like in chapter one about the recognition of just reward for sin mm-hmm. right in, in chapter 3, we see a lot of, no, I had this coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 39, why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Good question. Yeah. But then, but then there's this shift, a small shift, as far as how, how much paper it's given. Mm. But a massive shift in the attitude, very psalm-like. In verse 52, those who were my enemies without cause hunted me like a bird. They tried to end my life in a pit and threw stones at me. This is another reason why I believe this is some historicity of Jeremiah thrown into the cistern. Uh, The waters closed over my head, and I thought I was about to perish. But I called your name, Lord, Mm. from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. Mm. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear mm. in, in Lamentations three, we have a very distinct line drawn between suffering 
as just punishment for our sin and suffering due to the sins of others. In one, the author says, I deserve what comes my way because I've sinned. Mm -hmm. In the other, he says, this is because of the sins of others. Come to me, Lord. Mm. And God says, I'm here. Yeah. Hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. So, and I mean, I guess we'll keep walking through this. I mean, chapter four is just this big contrast, right? It, it shows how, how much this holy city of Jerusalem has fallen. All of the things that, um, that the other nations looked at and said, wow, how blessed is this place? How blessed is this city? Yeah. Those things have all been taken away. Verse 2, how the precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, <laughs> are now considered as pots of clay, the work of the potter's hands. That's an image we've heard before. Mm. I think that was from Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so the final the final chapter uh Oh, hold on, oh, hold on. Sorry. Okay, I keep jumping ahead here. 10. There is a very peculiar line in chat in verse 10. With their own hands What does your next thing say? Compassionate women. Compassionate women have cooked their own children. Now they are not being called compassionate because they've cooked their own children. Mm. That's what we got to get away from. Mm -hmm. These women were women who would not have been murderous, angry. These are women who would have been compassionate, loving women. Mm -hmm. But a, a couple of things could happen here. Either they've been just driven to the brink where they are not rationalizing anymore or it could be that this is a description of women who have come to a place where for malnutrition or the sword whatever their children have died mm. and they see their dead child as the only means to sustain their own lives um either way it is horrendous mm -hmm. yeah either way it's horrendous Yeah, and the the final the final chapter of Lamentations, it it doesn't it doesn't conclude nice and cleanly. It 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 tries to, but then it still it still struggles. And, and I think I think there's a good in that though. I I know I just cut you off. No, it's okay. Cool. Because I talk to a lot of people who are like, I struggle in depression. I don't see the upside of this thing. Um, but at the same time. I know that God is still God, but I don't walk away from that thought thinking, oh, that's what I needed. Everything's better. The sun is shining mm -hmm. inside again. Um, I, Lamentations is very real mm -hmm. in that way. And I, I've, I've heard people talk about how in trying to be positive all the time in our worship, we actually, instead of bringing people to a good place, we actually isolate them and send them to a bad place because yeah. they look at people around them and say, I'm not like you, I'm struggling. Mm. Um, and so making an acknowledgement of that struggle, even when you stop to say, hey, you know what? You are the Lord forever. It's still, 
still hard to come to terms with what's taking place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highlights? Uh, in chapter 4, there's a place in verse 15 uh, where the false prophets, the false priests go, um, they're cast out, they're sent out uh, into the nations, and they're still rejected. The nations that they wander to say no. And I thought that was really, really a, an eye-opening thing. As a teacher, sometimes we are tempted to step into uh, false teaching because it's what people want to hear. Mm. And there's fame and there's praise in that. Ultimately, in the end, a false prophet is rejected by all sides. And I think that's important for uh, a pastor, a teacher to remember that um, falsely teaching the word of God is going to have you rejected by God's people. And at the same time, false teachers aren't accepted by the world that they're trying to pander to. Mm-hmm. Um, they would still say to them, I think your entire book, not just your interpretation of the book, <laughs> is ridiculous. Right. Um, and so, so compromising the truth of God in order to pander to what people would prefer to hear or, or what might be a more popular opinion, doesn't end you in favor with anyone. Yeah, that's And that's exactly what happened to these prophets and priests mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. You? Yeah, for me, it's, it's smack dab in the middle of chapter 3, which is in the middle of the book of Lamentations, there is some hope in mm-hmm. the midst of this whole mess that is still not yet resolved, that is still going on. The consequences are... are are still fresh, you know, as this, as Jeremiah or whoever wrote this book is sitting in the midst of this says, remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and Mm -hmm. therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. Buckle up, boys and girls, because next week, Ezekiel. Fun times. (laughs) Take care, everybody. See ya.